Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Barry Buchanan, and I serve as a deacon on the executive committee of the Board of Deacons in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Almighty God, we, we pray for your blessing on the church in this place. Here may the faithful find salvation and the careless be awakened. Here may the doubting find faith and the anxious be encouraged. Here may the tempted find help and the sorrowful find comfort. Here may the weary find rest and the strong be renewed. Here may the aged find consolation and the young be inspired. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise and the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God.
It is good to begin our worship by admitting where we have failed our Maker and our Savior. We need to turn once again toward God in order to confess the ways in which we've turned away from Him. Trusting in God's abundant grace, His mercy and His deep love, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Eternal God, our Judge and Redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. We have lied for ourselves, and apart from you, we have turned our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive us our and from the selfishness, that we may choose your will and obey your commandments through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Friends, the grace of God is an abundant feast spread for all people. The love of God is a deep fountain overflowing in the world. The forgiveness of God is a deep well that never runs dry freeing and revitalizing our spirits. So dear friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now together with the fellowship of believers around the world, let us affirm our faith through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good to have a lot of our northerners back. And if you haven't seen any of them yet, maybe try to find one and greet, but let's greet one another in the spirit of Christ.
Well, good morning. It's great to have you all here this morning at Church of the Palms. You know, just last week we learned about the fruit of the Spirit and how we're supposed to share kindness and compassion and love to our neighbors and especially those in distress. And uh, I'm grateful for that because I can count on your kindness and compassion in the wake of the Michigan devastating loss to Michigan State last night. <laughs> the only comfort I took in all of that was to know that we would have pretty good attendance today because every Michigan State fan would come to worship here <laughs> at Church of the Palms. <clears throat> so I know I can count on your kindness and compassion. We are grateful that you are with us today. We would love for you to let us know of your presence by filling out the friendship pad and put your name on that. And we especially encourage you to put, give us your email address because that is a good way for us to be in touch with you throughout the week. If something comes up or news flash comes, up, comes upon us, we wanna make sure we can get that information to you as quickly as possible. So please let us know of your email address, which would then give us the permission to be communicating with you about great things that are happening here at Church of the Palms. Koinonia Singles is a new ministry we have to singles here in our community, and it meets on the first and third Mondays of each month, and the next one is tomorrow night, Monday night, at 6 p.m., dinner and some fellowship, and we invite you to come. If for it's, in, it's open to singles of all ages, and we would love for you to join us as we uh, reach out and provide fellowship for a very important part of our community. On November the 8th, we have a wonderful opportunity for you, the Sounds of Freedom concert. Three churches, three Presbyterian churches in town, Pine Shores, First Presbyterian Church, Church of the Palms, will be gathered here in our sanctuary to, uh, for a tribute to our veterans. And there will be a concert of choir and instrument, and we are really looking forward to that at 4 p.m. on that Sunday afternoon. Uh, you won't want to miss that, so put that on your calendar. Our IF gathering, a women's gathering, coming up in just this coming Saturday, and we invite you to consider that. Women, all women of our church, invited to this wonderful opportunity for fellowship and inspiration and encouragement uh, over in our campus center, uh, all-day event, and we would love to have you uh, join us for that. And then, uh, of course, the Trunk or Treat opportunity is also this Saturday evening where we will have a chance to reach out to parents of our tutoring ministry and parents within, uh, children in our tutoring ministry and children in our early childhood center where we will be lining up cars decorated as biblical characters over in the front parking lot. Great chance for you to participate in our family ministry. You wonder, well, what can I do for family ministry? Well, this is something you can do. How many of you have a car? Raise your hand. <laughs> so you have been enlisted. Uh, to participate, to dress it up whatever way you want to as a biblical character and let that be your expression, your, your part of our family ministry. Sign ups underneath the tree or you can call the church office. And we're sad to pass on the news to you that just last yesterday we received news that Marion Busher, who is a longtime member of our church, faithful worshiper here in the sanctuary, passed away very suddenly. And uh, we do not yet know details about her service, but please keep her husband, Fred, in your prayers and his family as they do deal with this very sudden loss. I'd like to invite Marianne Mangillo to come forward. You have been hearing over and over again about our ministry to Honduras and our mission to Honduras, a very important part of our church's life. And every February, we take the time to take two trips back to back to go to Honduras to work in construction and to also work with children in vacation Bible school. And we're delighted that Marianne Mangillo is gonna be our first time uh, attendee of our, one of our Honduras trips. 
And uh, we thought maybe it'd be nice for you, Marianne, to share with us a little bit about um, sort of your journey to that experience. First of all, tell us uh, who you are and sort of how you've been a part of Church of the Palms and how long you've been here. Uh, my name is Marianne Mangillo. Um, I've done lots of little things, um, Habitat for Humanity, um, the Easter Egg Hunt. Um, let's see, I'm going to be involved a little bit with the If Gathering, um, Family Promise, Mary Circle, things like that. So you're not very involved? No. no I'm like, um, <laughs> That's wonderful. And so uh, how did you hear about the Honduras mission? And uh, what did you think of when you first heard about it? Well, I first heard about it, like you all, during the announcements here in church. And I thought, oh, that sounds really wonderful. So it kind of piqued an interest. Obviously, there was a seed planted. So I was curious about it. Great. That's wonderful. And what made you finally decide to, to go this year? What, what kind of prompted you? The seed is growing. Um, I actually coerced <laughs> Pastor Hedgepath and Lori to have lunch with me and really kind of drilled them about it. <laughs> so it made me decide that that was just the right thing for me to do. So you kind of let that seed grow and grow and grow until you finally got to that point of making yes. that decision. That's wonderful. And what are you most looking forward to going to Honduras? <sighs> I think it's kind of selfish reasons. I feel like that God is really going to grow me a lot, even though I'm sure that I'm going to be helping others. Sure. I just feel like I'm going to be truly blessed through that. That's great. So. Yeah, we, we find that that's the case, that those who sort of take this big step find out that not only are we serving, but we are being served by the Holy Spirit, and God sort of does something in our lives when we take this big step. And we love Marianne's story because, you know, Marianne's <laughs> just one of us, right? And we, we kind of hear the story about Honduras, and we wonder whether or not that might be something we might want to do someday. But then there comes finally that day where you take the big step. And next week is one of those big steps. You can come and learn about Honduras and the mission trip on October the 25th, Sunday, right after the first service, 10:15, over in the chapel reception room. And, uh, and perhaps that might be a step along the step that Marianne has taken to uh, go over the hump and take this great, have this be a great experience in your life. So Marianne, thank you. Thank, thank you. Marianne for her thank being you. up here. It's wonderful. Oh, my God. 
That was lovely. Thank you so much. We are delighted to have our newest members of our church family here with us this morning, and we invite them to come forward to be with us in front. We are grateful for your presence with us this morning, and we are delighted that these folks have come before us and spend some time in our new members class to learn about our ministry and mission here at Church of the Palms. And uh, I would love to introduce them to you. And as I do, if you wouldn't mind raising your hands and so as to introduce yourself, putting name and face together, Julie Boger and Mary Egan and her daughters, Maddie, Lauren and Ashley. Excellent, and Dave, Michelle Romine with sons Jared and Sam. All right. Well, unfortunately, you have to turn around and look at me. <laughs> We're so delighted that you have uh, taken this step. For many of you, the step started long ago, kind of like we talked about with Honduras. You know, the seeds got planted long ago, and you've taken the journey with us for years and months, and, and now you've gotten to that point where you've taken the step, and you have uh, come to uh, be a part of our church life and to profess your faith in Jesus Christ and certainly you've done that with the session and now we invite you to do that uh, before the congregation as you become our newest members. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word and to show his love? And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? By those responses and the affir and affirmation, you have uh, professed your faith before us in Jesus Christ, and as importantly, you have uh, joined on to our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ, and we've talked about how we are here to help you find that little spot in the church family that you may serve alongside of us, whether it's as far away as Honduras or as close as the food pantry or in the sanctuary. 
we're delighted that we can uh, come alongside of you and take that journey with you and discover what God might be up to in your life and together in our life as the family of God. So we rejoice with you and are glad that we have this opportunity to join with you in this journey. So let us uh, have a word of prayer, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you have uh, called us. Sometimes you call us in burning bushes, sometimes you call us in quiet seeds that are planted in our lives, sometimes you call us through a conversation with a friend, Sometimes you call us in the darkest moments of our life, and sometimes you call us in the brightest moments. But we're grateful, Lord, that you are a God who calls and would wish for us all to be your children, that we may claim your son and that we may walk with him throughout our life's journey. And we're grateful that today you have brought before us these people who have taken this new and fresh step to be a part of your church family and who are joining with us as we seek to carry out this common mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. And so we ask, Lord, that you will uh, give them the gift of your Holy Spirit, that you will help them to become even more acquainted with their gifts, and that you will guide them as they seek to discover how they can serve a world that is yearning to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We praise you for the gift of the church and for our witness in the community and pray, O oh Lord, that together as the family of God, we may be that uh, light on a hill. And the world may see through our life together there is this wonderful grace that comes to us through your son and that together we may um, discover those great joys that only you would have for us and that together we may discover the joy in holding on to each other. So we pray these things, O Lord, in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome to the church. Great to see you. Yes. Great to see you. We will now continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. We love you, O God, for you have accompanied us and loved us and blessed us at all stages of our lives. Accept these our gifts of gratitude and commitment to you, for we bring them to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated as Jan bring our children for children's moment. Thanks for putting me back here, guys. Good morning, everybody. Had a whole crew that joined me in the back. Awesome. Oh, there's a bunch more from over there. I love it. Good morning, everybody. So excited, Miss Lori, let me hang out with you guys this morning. All right. So this weekend, I've been watching a lot of superhero movies, and my favorite is Superman, because Superman can fly. So I want you to think for a minute. If you have a favorite superhero or a favorite superpower, I like Superman, I told you, because he can fly. Does anybody have a superhero? Oh, over here. Yes, ma'am. Hulk. The Hulk. He is very strong and very green. Yes, sir. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I love how he can scale the sides of buildings. It's awesome. Yes, sir. Sam, what you got? Telekinesis. Ooh, telekinesis. Could you tell people what telekinesis means, Sam? Definition. Being able to control things with your own mind. Ooh. Awesome, Sam. I'm digging that. What you got, Miss Sydney? Batgirl. Batgirl. I love it. One more. What you got? Wolverine. The Wolverine. Nice, Ben. Excellent, guys. Well, we know as Christians that the greatest power in the world is God's love. And that God loved us so much that he sent us his one and only son to die on the cross for us. And that there is nothing we can ever do that will separate us from God's love. In the Bible, it tells us that our mission is to love God and to love others. Now, you might think this needs to be great, big, huge things that we do. Then I tell you a secret. Little, tiny acts of love have a huge impact. And we're going to talk about that in our Bible story today, which comes from the book of Ruth. Just curious, do you guys know... How many books there are in the Bible that are named after girls? Two. That's it. So this must be pretty important that we're doing one of these this morning. So let's see what happens. In our Bible story, Naomi and her husband and her two sons need to move to a new country, Moab, because there's not a lot of food left where they live and they're getting hungry. So they pack up their stuff and they head out and they go to this new land of Moab And while they're there, Naomi's sons find two girls that they would like to marry. And their names are Ruth and Orpah. Guess what happens next? Naomi's husband died. How do you think she was feeling? Yes, ma'am. Sad. Sad. You will not believe what happened next. Naomi's sons, both of them, died. How do you think she's feeling now? Really sad. Really sad. Okay. But it's even worse than we know, guys. Because back in Bible times, if a woman didn't have a husband or didn't have a son, she had no way to take care of herself. 
She couldn't go out there and earn money for food and clothes, so she didn't know what she was going to do. Because remember, it's not just her, it's her and Ruth and Orpah. It's all three of them, and they don't know how they're going to take care of themselves. Well, Naomi hears that now there's more food back in Bethlehem where she used to live, so she decides to make the journey back home. But she thinks, you know what, this is kind of a tough journey for all three of us, so girls, I'm going to let you off the hook. You can go back home to your mom now, and I'll go on by myself. And Orpah says, thanks, and runs off quick as a bunny <laughs> and heads home to her mom. But Ruth made a different choice. She decided to go with Naomi on this journey. And in our Bibles, it tells us what she said. She said, Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And Ruth loved and supported and took care of Naomi for the rest of her life. And in fact, when she got there, she met a man, and Ruth got married. And they took care of Naomi for the rest of her life together. And in fact, remember I told you, little acts of love, huge impact. Ruth and her husband went on to be the great-great-great-great-grandparents of David and the great-great-great-great-great-grandparents of Jesus. So remember, God's love is the greatest superpower of all. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, thank you for being our true superhero and for letting us be superheroes of love to others. Amen. Okay, let's head out this way.
So let's turn now to that wonderful story that Jen so wonderfully shared with us. That is found in the beginning of the book of Ruth, the first chapter beginning at the first verse. As we continue in this unfolding story of God, we begun in Genesis and now we are making our way, finding ourselves in this wonderful, wonderful book called Ruth. Hear the word of God. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The names of the one was Orpah and the other Ruth. And when they had lived there about 10 years, both Malin and Kilian also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. And she kissed them, and they wept aloud. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may have become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband, even if I thought there was hope for me. Even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. And they wept aloud again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or turn back from you from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your favor, O oh Lord, we pray that you allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I want to start this morning with a little video. It's a video about a father and a son, Dick and Rick Hoyt. Many of you know their story. Back in 1962, Rick was born to Dick and his wife, Judy, with cerebral palsy, leaving him virtually with no control of his muscular function. He has been in a wheelchair his whole life, unable to even speak. 
Over time, they were able to teach, though, young Rick to communicate through the use of a computer using his eyes as a prompt. When Rick was in high school, he asked whether it was possible for him and his dad to run a race, a benefit race, for a young man, a lacrosse player in his high school who had been paralyzed. Dick, a retired lieutenant colonel in the Air National Guard, figured out that, that maybe they could, maybe he could, by pushing his son in a jogger's stroller. They competed their, their, completed their first race, five kilometers, and after the race, Rick said to his father, Dad, when we're running together, it feels like I'm not handicapped. When we're running together, it feels like I'm not handicapped. That, I suppose, is what turned the light on and what began a lifelong odyssey of father and son together. So let's take a look at the video, which features the incomparable singing voice of Johnny Cash. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. I'm on your side. Oh, when times get rough and friends just can't be found. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. When you're down and out When you're on the street When evening falls So hard I will comfort you See how they shine feels like my disability disappears.
Tick and Rick have actually competed now in over 1,100 endurance events over 35 years, including 72 marathons, six Ironman marathons, like the one you just saw, a 45-day bike and run across America, 32 Boston marathons, and two years ago, they dedicated a statue in honor of Team Hoyt at the start of the Boston Marathon. Now, you can call that story a lot of things. I call it a story of fidelity, an unwavering and undying loyalty one to another, the fidelity of father to son, one that leaves likely all of us with the question of whether we could do that kind of thing. And the answer is probably not. First, because that not many of us got Dick Hoyt's body. But secondly, and more importantly, most of us aren't supposed to do that kind of thing. For most of us, the fidelities are very different, to which we are called sometimes more complex and sometimes more difficult. Which takes us to the story of Ruth. Ruth is one of those very interesting stories in the Bible. First, because it's a story where God surprisingly doesn't say anything. God doesn't speak. God has spoken about, but God doesn't speak in the story of Ruth. Second, it's a story about immigration. Of course, the Old Testament up until now was just one long story of immigration, right? Abram immigrates to Canaan. Abram and Sarah flee to Egypt. Joseph and his brothers escape to Egypt. Moses leads the immigrant Israelites from, Palestine, from, from Egypt to Palestine. And now we have this family of, I'll say that, I'll get that right someday, Elimelech and Naomi, who because, who because of famine immigrate from Bethlehem to Moab. Now Moab was hostile territory to the Israelites, but you gotta do when famine strikes, you gotta do what you gotta do. And so they go to Moab, and while they're there, their two sons marry two Moabite women, one of whom is Ruth, and now as we've heard, Ruth's husband, son to Elimelech and Naomi, has died along with his brother and along with Elimelech himself, which leaves now three women without the security of male partnership, which was a big deal back then, as we learned. Women's safety and status in society was integrated with their partnership with husband. So Naomi decides that the only option she has, or the only right thing to do, is to release her two daughters-in-law to seek the security of Moabite men, and for herself to head back to Bethlehem, a defenseless widow. It was the right thing to do. But Ruth, in return, does the unexpected thing. Ruth does not let Naomi go. She pledges her loyalty with poetic promise. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. A vow no less than the vow that a young couple gives here in this chancel, holding hands and exchanging rings. Ruth ties herself to Naomi with all bets off, enormous risks, enormous uncertainty, no guarantees in this foreign land, no telling what's gonna happen in this strange land. All downside, it appears. But in this story where God is quiet at best, what we realize is that God is quietly found in the bond 
in the fidelity and the loyalty. God is found in the holding on of one woman to another. We ain't got much, but we got each other. And we're on our way to Bethlehem. Now, of course, telling a story about two making their way to Bethlehem can only cause us to think of two young kids who, according to Matthew, have found themselves in crisis, young Mary and Joseph. And when Joseph has learned that his betrothed is with child, without his participation, he does what everyone expects him to do. He makes plans for separation to divorce her quietly. Well, of course, it's the only thing to do. But in this story, God speaks up and says, no, you know, this isn't going to make much sense, but I'm up to something with this pregnancy, and what I need from you is to hold on. I need you to keep your commitment. I need for you to hang in there. Talk about difficult. Talk about complicated. Talk about everybody else having a better idea. So Joseph does the unexpected thing. He kept Mary, Matthew tells us, as his wife and knew her not until she delivered her child and he named him Jesus. And from there, things just get harder. So when you and I set up our creches in a few weeks, what we will see inside that little barn and hovering around that manger is not just a little hallmark scene, not a little decoration to brighten up the holidays. What we will see when we look at that young couple is a couple of scared young kids holding on to each other for dear life and holding on for dear life this mysterious, miraculous gift from God. What we see is fidelity. God is speaking loud and clear in the fidelity. So don't you wonder when those wise ones of long ago were trying to sort out what should be included in the sacred scriptures that of all the books they could have included, they chose the strange tale of Ruth, this, this foreigner from Moab, hostile Moab, who joins herself to this defenseless Palestinian Israelite widow and finds a way to assimilate herself in this foreign country, a story where God doesn't say a word, but don't you wonder if maybe what the story is here to say is that if you're wondering where God might be, if you're wondering God, what God might be saying, in those moments when it appears that God has perhaps even gone silent, that maybe, just maybe, we find God in the fidelities. We find God in the hanging on, in the not letting go, in the loyalties kept between each other. Ruth turns out, as we learn, to be the great-granddaughter of King David and the ancestor of Jesus. And how was she to know that in that fidelity, one woman holding on to another, that she was a part of this great story? Now, the truth is, you and I know that it's a lot easier said than done. 
Life is complicated, people are complicated, issues are complicated, and it's not my business this morning to cast some sort of judgment on the successes and the failures of our relationships. Lord knows when it comes to my life, my friendships and relationships and loyalties have been riddled with failures. Times when I let folks down, times when I didn't show up, times when I let go when I should have held on. Life's too complicated to suggest that there's an easy answer one way or another when it comes to the intricacies of human relationships. But instead, I wonder if the story of Ruth, like so many stories in the Bible, doesn't try to point us first to the previous chapters of our life, times when we may have wondered what God was up to back then, or, or maybe even to the present times of our life when maybe we are wondering what the voice from heaven might be. Don't you wonder if what Ruth and Naomi are here to say is that maybe God is found in the holding on or the one to whom you are being loyal. I suppose that goes for all sorts of relationships, parent and child, husband and wife, friend and friend, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, these connections that in one moment seem so strong and in another moment seem so vulnerable. And yet it is in the holding on that we discover the presence of God. It makes me think of a dear man in one of my previous churches, I'll call him Sam, and and Sam's wife, I'll call her Linda. At too young an age, Linda started down the painful road of Alzheimer's. And with it, it seemed by every passing day, Sam was losing just a little bit more of his beloved. Yet proudly, he would escort her from place to place for years until the time came for her to be cared for in a nursing home. He loved her enough to make sure that she had the best care possible when he knew he couldn't do it any longer. But before that happened, I learned something about Sam I didn't know, and what I didn't know was that he played the organ. And the way I found out he played the organ came on the day when I happened to be walking past the sanctuary. The sanctuary was a building apart from the rest of the campus, kind of like this one. And I happened upon the sanctuary and I could hear organ music. Now, it came at a time when our organist didn't necessarily practice at that particular time. So I, was, I thought it strange enough to go into the sanctuary to see what was happening. So I walked in and Sam was playing the organ. And there was Linda sitting in the choir loft alone, his only audience, sort of with a blank stare. I think she likes the hymns, Sam said to me. So I hope you don't mind, I sneak in here from time to time just to play her the hymns, because I think she likes the hymns. God shows up in the holding on, in the fidelities, in the not letting go. I saw not long ago that a letter was put up for auction. It was a letter that when it was written, no one had any idea what gravity it held. It was a letter written to one Oscar Schindler. We know about Oscar Schindler of Schindler's List, the Nazi spy and collaborator who somewhere along the way saw his Jewish employees as human beings that deserved a chance 
and so found a way to hold on to those human beings who were destined to their deaths by the Nazis. He figured out that the only way to do that, though, was to uproot his own life, uproot his family, and move his company out of Poland, and by doing so, provide a practical and reasonable excuse for his Jewish workers to gain refuge. Not expected of him, the good Gentile he was, not expected of him, the good Nazi he was, not expected. But there came that unexpected moment when Oskar Schindler appealed to and bribed the powers that be, requesting permission to move his works to neighboring Czechoslovakia, along with that list of 1,200 Jews he intended to deliver from death. And this letter, this what turned about to be such an enormously valuable letter was the letter granting permission. In a time when God's voice was hard to hear for 1,200 Jews, God was found in the holding on. Don't you wonder about that in this crazy world of ours where the talk seems to be more and more about all the people we're supposed to be afraid of and leery of and protected from with laws and policies and hateful discourse that these immigrants we want so badly to keep away, I know that's it's a difficult issue, it's complicated, and I know it's easier said than done, and, and I'm not trying to be naive. But these people, they're humans, right? They're neighbors, right? Moabites. Hondurans, Syrians, humans. Must we be afraid? When did God show up in our fear? When did God show up in our fences? God shows up in the holding on and the clash between a foreign Moabite and a grieving Israelite and a father and a son and a factory owner and his people and a husband and his ever distant wife and a teenage girl pregnant with her fiance God shows up there, right? In the holding on.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.